0: This is Company. I'm Sky Manson. Company is a podcast produced in rural Australia, bringing together ambitious women in the bush, the cities and all over the world. Today's guest is someone that you definitely want to put on your lockdown online shopping list. Even if you don't put anything in the cart, the wonders that Lucinda Newton works with her hands are just beautiful her brand is Luone a beautiful handcrafted jewelry business with pieces that are timeless and 100 percent stunning. Lu tells me that she's always been obsessed with jewelry ever since childhood she's eyed off the jewelry of every woman that's crossed her path and although she didn't initially choose this vocation all her tendencies have pulled her towards where she is now from a childhood growing up on a farm to now opening her own open, airy studio shopfront in Port Ferry in Victoria. This is the story of her handcrafted jewellery
1: business. So Port Ferry is a picturesque little coastal town about three I like to say three, it's probably a little bit over three, three hours from Melbourne. It's gorgeous. It has everything out of the city that we love, coffee shops, restaurants, beautiful boutiques, but it's this tiny little town, so it's a gorgeous lifestyle. It's very unique, very um, pretty, and my girls are 10 and 8.
2: Did you grow up in Port
1: Ferry? No. So, no, I never thought I'd live in Victoria. I always used to look at the weather map and think, why would anyone live in Victoria? I, most of my childhood was in Queensland, in Toowoomba. Um, we moved from a little place called Balata in between Maury and Narrabri when I was in Year 5. So grew up there, went to uni in Bathurst in New South Wales and then lived in Sydney, went overseas, went back to Brizzy and then um, with Tom's work we moved down to Port Ferry um about 10 years ago
2: growing up at the latter was that on a farm
1: that was on a farm and then um then we moved and went to Toowoomba and I love Toowoomba it's gorgeous yeah it's a big change I, I did miss the farm for quite a while I always wanted to be on a farm but um mum and dad had different ideas and so we went to Toowoomba and and yeah that was a great spot to grow up as well Tell me a bit
2: about your childhood there and what times were like when you were growing up.
1: Oh, I often think about this. It was great. I mean, I just think we had so much more freedom. Um, and I loved school, Have the best friends from school. And I often think about for my girls, Laham's like I'm such a worrywart. So I think they will be like 20 before they can walk down the street by themselves. <laughs> I just think there weren't as many distractions and things out there that – I do think we were allowed to roam a little bit more back then. Great. It was a great spot. It's grown a lot since then.
2: What drew you down to to New South Wales um, to, to go to university in Bathurst? Like that's a long way from tomorrow.
1: I know. It's a bit random, isn't it, from Queensland? But I knew that they had a good communications course. And if I'm really honest, I went to uni for the lifestyle. I just wanted to have that, yeah, the lifestyle of uni really. I did PR and communications there. Um, I had a cousin who had been there and it had a good reputation and I think I would have loved to have gone to Sydney but I, the uni that I wanted to go to didn't have a college. So being from Queensland and meeting new people, I thought the college was a good idea so I went to, ended up in Bathurst.
2: And being a jewellery designer is sort of a, quite a far cry from um, comms and, P and PR. So yeah. when did it all sort of start to evolve that way?
1: oh I don't know I've always been obsessed with jewellery school years I can remember yeah just loving jewellery and always looking at women and their jewellery and I was always kind of thinking looking at their pieces and thinking how I would make them differently and always dreaming up ideas and never being able to find them in the shops and that kind of thing so I think from a young age I yeah have always loved jewellery and I kind of thought if I made my own then I don't have to buy it from somewhere else um and then I think it was probably my first job out of uni was with the fashion lifestyle PR firm, and which was great. But my, my boss, he never knew how he was going to be. And so I think in the office, he'd made everyone cry at some stage. And it really turned me off having a boss and having to answer to somebody else. And I just thought, imagine if you could do something that you loved and turned it into a career. I mean, you know, I didn't do it straight away, but... It was always in the back of my mind, I think.
2: I love what you were saying about being surrounded by women wearing beautiful jewellery and, like, the, seeing that a bit more through your eyes. Were you surrounded by women wearing beautiful jewellery when you were growing up or were they just normal?
1: No, no, just normal, but I'd seek it out. I mean, even now when people walk into the shop, the first, you know, after saying hello and having a chat, I always eye off their jewellery. <laughs> I just think it's something that I've always done and will always do. I look at their rings and, yeah, I don't know. I think it's obviously something I'm drawn to and I'm I'm probably quite obsessed with. Where do you reckon that comes from? I have no idea because Mum is not really like that at all Um, and I'm not artistic in any other way. I don't know. I've just always loved jewellery.
2: In the stages before actually took the plunge to start designing jewellery did you have little notebooks where you would do sketches or anything like that
1: yeah so so I'd been working in Sydney for a while and then like so many people did a stint overseas and when just before I went overseas I I think I'd pretty much decided that jewellery was what I wanted to do and so I started to buy a few supplies and then thought well this is ridiculous because I'm trying to save to go overseas so kind of put it on hold and then when I was overseas I was working in IT marketing of all things, which I have zero interest in. So it was a bit random. But overseas, it's like that, isn't it? You can kind of do different things. Um, so I did. I started some sketchbooks then um, and I did a silver weekend course, actually, when I was over in England and loved it. And then, yeah, from that moment, probably knew that that's what I was going to do when I got home. But the sketchbooks, I don't even think I've, I, they are here somewhere, but I haven't even looked at them. There's just so many different ideas, different variations of the one piece that you can make. So yeah, I haven't needed the sketchbooks yet, but if I run out of ideas, I'll definitely pull them out. How do you collate your ideas now? I honestly think it just comes from the jewellery itself because you kind of sit down to make something and then you think of a different variation of it. And so then what you kind of end up with is not what you started to design then you can kind of go back and make that piece. And then, do you know what I mean? There's lots of different variations of the one piece that you can make. So really I just make what I love and hope other people will love it as well.
2: How tactile is making jewellery and how much do you go with like what feels good in your hands and things like that as opposed to what is your mind is telling you?
1: My, I think I'm more visual and I love all of the gems and the pearls and the colours. Um, the lustres of the pearls and it all goes well with the golds and the silver yeah I don't know I just think I just put it all together and and create what I'd love to wear how good's that Um, I love that (laughs) I know I feel so fortunate I love it it doesn't feel like work it's never actually felt like work so I'm very lucky
2: from that time in London where you did your um silver making course um, to when you came back to Australia how did this evolve to become a full-time pursuit
1: so the weekend course was literally just a weekend course Um, so you kind of pick up the basic techniques I suppose and then I was fortunate enough, enough to have a day with a silversmith when I returned to Australia actually I had two two days with two different silversmiths and they both said don't be so silly don't do it <laughs> um but I just had this vision I think and why did they say that probably because they didn't think that it would work I guess or that it's so much work and not much return I'm not really sure I just assume I, I think they were just trying to be realistic I guess but mum and dad were really supportive and I actually moved back in with them into Toowoomba a year or two just because so many people do jewellery for a hobby but I just couldn't I don't know how they can do it because it's so time consuming so I just thought I'll give it a year and you know really have a crack if I'm going to do it rather than I started off with a part-time job but then kind of gave that up reasonably quickly just to to give it every chance of working I think once you have the basic techniques you develop your own style of doing things and I'm a lot quicker now at doing lots of things. When you start, you're just so slow and make so many mistakes. So back then I didn't ever work with gold because it was just so expensive and I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I don't know if I ever thought I'd work with gold. But um, with silver, whatever, that's gone up a lot more than, you know, what when I started. But you could kind of, if you had to scrap a whole heap of it, it didn't really matter. <laughs> um, so you kind of learn by mistakes and and. Yeah, and and then I did lots of art shows and women's events and I think probably doing three or four showings of some sort a month just to get the name out there and try and start growing a bit of a database and that kind of thing.
2: What was the first thing you made?
1: Gosh. um, Well, I remember I made a chain at the silversmithing course in England and then when I started at home I honestly can't remember but I used to do lots of I used to do more statement pieces probably not so much every day like I and I still um when I have the time love to do that kind of thing like bigger gems and something you'd put on for going out for dinner more so than going to wearing it every day um and now my range is much more mixed so there's something for every day but I yeah, I do love making the statement pieces as well. So I would probably say maybe necklace. I used to love making necklaces. I think my range was predominantly necklaces at the start just because I liked making them with so many different options.
2: So tell me about what, what you make now.
1: Oh, what I make now. Um, all of it. Tell me about all of it. What's your... Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> everything really. Um, so earrings, necklaces, bracelets, bangles, rings, Um, and I want people to love my pieces and love wearing them. Um, and I don't want them to sit in the cupboard. So I kind of, I try to make pieces that I think people will wear often, or if not all the time. Um, and I love the idea of my pieces all being worn together, layered, and that might be, you know, a couple of necklaces, but also with the bangles and it goes nicely with the rings and the earrings. Um, So I do use a lot of gold now which I'm quite obsessed with. I never even used to like gold. I was always a silver girl. So I still do the silver and South Sea pearls, freshwater pearls, lots of different gems and I just dabble in a little collection of diamonds as well. It's a bit of everything, Sky.
2: <laughs> I have to tell everybody how gorgeous you look today. So you're just wearing a black oh, turtleneck oh. and you've got, <laughs> uh, can you tell me how much jewellery jewelry you are wearing? Because there is lots of layers going on and it does not look overstated one little bit. Oh, how well, do you so. approach dressing yourself with jewellery every day?
1: Well, I know when I started, one of my mottos was um, something like, think about what jewellery you want to wear and then work out your outfit around that. So I probably dress very simply and then I just love putting the jewellery on. But again, I've got a couple of necklaces on, but they all, my designs are very simple, I would say, and that's the feedback that I get as well. Therefore, hopefully you can kind of mix it all together. Tell
2: me about the necklaces you're wearing today. Like, can you explain oh, so today, what they look like and what they are?
1: Diamond pendant and then I have a gold what I call a rectangular links necklace with a solid gold pendant and then another little gold curb chain with a South Sea pearl pendant and some letter pendants. So some people might not wear it all together, but you can, they look gorgeous by themselves or all layered together. I think, I hope.
2: (laughs) Oh, they look so good. I would never think to use them all together. Do you, and is that what you wear every day or just today?
1: No, I do wear these pretty much every day. I often tell myself I need to wear something else so people realise I make other jewellery. But it is a little bit like a builder's house, I describe it, because I think most people would probably think I have this huge jewellery collection at home, but I don't because I have to sell it. (laughs) So I have a few staple pieces um, and, you know, make myself a few things along the way, but... um, Yeah, I do try and mix stuff a little bit, but I do find I wear these every day.
2: And what about rings and bangles?
1: As a rule of thumb, how many of them do you wear every day? Well, I have two bangles on my left hand and then I mix up with my right. I I do love my Russian gold bangle. Um, And then I love my chunky rose gold and yellow gold bangle together too. Um, But I wouldn't mind actually this rectangular links necklace I'd love a bracelet in that too so that might be my next little treat to myself <laughs> and Hagrid. then
2: rings I know I <laughs> know you can make the treat to yourself that you don't have
1: to I buy know. it but also exactly. it is
2: money is time
1: yes and yes I can't keep everything as much as it hurts to sell some pieces
2: <laughs> does it tell me about that and how long it takes to build it these beautiful pieces i know it would be different for each and every one yeah,
1: it depends what it is and if you've made something similar before i think if it's the first time you're making a certain piece it takes longer because you kind of experiment for a fair while and then until you're actually happy with it but yeah i love south sea pearls i love pink sapphires they're probably the pieces that i struggle to sell because i just want to keep them all but it is funny, you kind of make something else and then you move on relatively quickly to the next piece and love it just as much. So, yeah, but it is it is fun having a shop and people will come back in wearing their pieces and I always love to see them again.
2: What does your workspace look like? Is the shop and the studio as such, are they together? Paint me a
1: picture. They are together. Yeah, so I've had, this is my fourth space in Port Ferry. Um, the shops are very tightly held and so it took me a while to get to this gorgeous um, street frontage position. Um, so it's all very white and then um, I have my jewellery cabinets kind of towards the front and then my workbench is at the back. I have actually a, um, a side section of the store where my workshop was Um, And then last year between the lockdowns I actually created a little side store um, supporting other Australian artists um, and makers. So that is now another little side project. So my workbench is now at the back, which is not as luxurious as a whole room, but um, it still works well and I think people love the fact that they can walk in and see that actually the pieces are all handmade.
2: That's so great. So people, it's quite a, an interactive experience. They walk in and they are actually walking into your studio.
1: Yeah, yeah, so the workbench is at the back. Funnily enough, I have actually roped it off because <laughs> um, I love that people can see it in the store and that, you know, they realise the pieces are all handmade. But when people get close to the workbench, I kind of get a bit funny because... Um, you know there is a gas torch and there's chemical and my bench is a bit of a mess compared to the rest of the shop so it's always it's i suppose my personal space that i, I don't think I, I like i never thought i would feel like that but it is it's really interesting when people approach the workbench i'm like oh i might just come around to the counter
2: uh, yeah and is it just you lou
1: um so i have a gorgeous girl kathy who works with me in the shop a few days a week um And I make most of the jewellery and my bangles are now made by a jeweller in Melbourne just because um, he's a lot stronger than me. (laughs) I started making all of the bangles when I started the bangles and, yeah, because they're solid, they're just very hard to wrap around the mandrel. So um, I got in contact with another jeweller and so he's fantastic, so that's great. Um, And I work with a fine jeweller very closely on my diamond pieces. Um, I don't set stones, so I have a stone setter as well. But, yeah, everything else is me pretty much, yeah.
2: And tell me about how big your business is now, from that idea that started overseas when you were living in London to spending a year in Toowoomba, living with your parents and starting your own jewellery. How how many sort of can quantify it a little bit? How How big is your business today?
1: It's come a long way, Sky, but it's, it's been a really slow organic growth, I would say. So, like, um, yes, yeah, so i will be 15 years next year actually. So now I, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a very loyal customer base and, yeah, have a book full of orders constantly, which is so exciting. And hopefully that will continue. It's it's funny because I mean yes, it's a full time job, and I've managed to make a career out of it. So it is very exciting, and I, f- I feel very fortunate. It is a funny thing because you still get people walking in going, oh gosh, um, you you actually you have a shop. Is it worth opening? Like, um, and they kind of leave with this worried look, going, oh, good luck. And it's just such an interesting. Yeah, it's just really interesting that people don't. Well, I don't know if artists find the same, but um, when you're making something, yeah, it's just it's funny the um, the idea that some people have about it. So I've kind of drawn to not let that worry me anymore. But um, I don't really know how to answer that. But yeah, it has taken a long time to grow.
0: just breaking in here to say a huge thank you to lidner quality socks for coming on board as this season's podcast sponsor if you haven't worn lidner quality socks yet do your feet a favor and try them this winter or right now while this cold snap is on i have been wearing them for days your toasty warm feet will thank you forever Lidner Quality Socks are expertly crafted in Crookwell, in New South Wales by 10th generation sock maker Andrew Lidner and they're individually finished so that you can be assured that every sock is a real investment in quality. To shop the range, visit lidnersocks.com.au.
2: How many pieces would you make a
1: year? (laughs) I'm really bad. Um... I don't take that much notice of the business side of the business, if that makes sense, um, because I I fear that if I do, I'll lose the passion and um, then it'll, you know, slow down or, you know, stop happening. Does that make sense? So I kind of am um, in a fortunate position where I know it's, you know, it's going really well and I'm really happy with where it's at now. Um, but I don't concentrate too much on the figures um, like most business people probably should <laughs> um, but and how many pieces oh gosh I don't know I've never actually see again I should be going through my records but I, I don't <laughs> I should totally have more of a grasp on that sky no I
2: I really love that I really love that because it just shows the way that you work and I am a bit in awe of you know you also say that you've got a a book full of orders and I wonder how you manage to kind of not get overwhelmed by that and keep oh I do just creating
1: no so I I do get very overwhelmed um because I'm saying about a 10-week lead time at the moment for orders which you know that's a long time um most people are lovely and they understand it's all handmade but um every now and then it does stress me out but then I kind of realize, gosh how lucky to be that way and I'm not just you know opening up the shop hoping that hoping that people will come in um I don't want to speak too soon <laughs> because I don't want to jinx myself um but no very fortunate but um I think if you're upfront with the communication and let people know that it does take a long time it's all handmade I think people appreciate that um and as, as in, in terms of creativity, it's hard when you've got orders. Um, I love having orders, obviously, but it does mean that your creative time is limited. Um, so I think last year I decided to have a creative day and so no orders on that particular day. Um, just creating new things because you don't want people coming into the shop thinking, oh, gosh, she doesn't have anything new um, and they might stop coming. That creative day hasn't happened but oh. <laughs> the idea the, I know the idea is there and it will I just need to get on top of everything um look to be honest I'd love another jeweler but I think I'm too anal um and I have thought about it a lot but I just don't think that's the track that I that I want to go on I don't know I think that it would be more stress yeah
2: it's um something that's so uniquely you must be yeah yeah how could you how could you ever sort of uh get get someone to I don't understand how you could do that um and it must be a huge thing to sort of hand over to to somebody else I
1: think exactly I think that's what I probably would not be able to do very well so I just kind of figure I'll just do it on myself (laughs) yeah I is probably not a good business decision
2: I love uh, on this podcast, learning about people's daily routines and um, how they, whether they're morning people or evening people, and you just talking about trying to um, implement a creative day. So tell me about how, like an average day for you. And then after that, I'm really interested to know about your sources of inspiration
1: Um, it's going to sound really boring, Sky. I don't know. I'm just like everyone else. I kind of, you know, I'd love to say i get up at five in the morning and do yoga or Pilates and go for a run, but I don't, (laughs) I'm not really a morning person. My alarm goes off and I hit snooze quite regularly. Um, but if Tom's home, I'll get up and go for a walk in the morning with um, Labrador, Rosie, and we're lucky enough to live by the beach. So walk along the beach. And every time I see that ocean, it's just so nice you know come back to the school lunches and um potter around I've never been a rushed person um and it's a bit of a joke in our house because I'm always like rushing to get out the door for that reason but I do like pottering, <laughs> um and then to drop the girls at school and go into the shop do orders chat to people as they come in um a lot of the sales in the store are orders so um they might people might see something they like in the cabinet but they might want it longer or shorter or different size or a combination of different things um so that's always fun i love that part of it um and for that i do have a workshop at home as well but i I really miss the contact when i work from home so i i am in the shop most of the time and it's a gorgeous space it's a lot nicer than my garage at home so (laughs) much prefer to be there and then um so then, collect the girls from school and do sport if that's on, um, and then yeah, just into the dinner, bath, bed routine, and then um, and then mostly check emails at night, and then I'm a bit of an early bird as well to bed. So um, I'd love nothing more to be in bed at eight thirty, but it's normally like nine thirty ish.
2: Same, I love bed. I know. Set so into I. bed at seven thirty every evening. <laughs> I know. How good would that be? And um, what about inspiration, Lou? Where do you, does it just come to you in your own mind or do you love particular cultures or people?
1: No, I really just make what I love. Um, And as I said before, you do get so much inspiration from the pieces themselves. Um, I wish I had a better answer for that, Sky, because it's not that exciting, but I just... Just make
2: what I love and hope that other people like it too. Such a pure talent. I mean, yeah, to be able to do that and just um, drawing on things that you've <laughs> a, a, jewelry. A lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> things that you've just seen and you can create it in your mind. It's absolutely amazing.
1: The,
2: the thing I wanted to ask you was are you reading or listening? or loving anything in particular at the moment that we might be interested in
1: not been good with books for a fair while but I have actually been reading the Natalie Walton still um and this is home books just I'm finding it really interesting because it's all about trying to obtain this slower pace of life which um which I think would be awesome, but kind of hard to achieve at the stage of life we're in um, with little kids. Um, And I have been wanting to get a copy of um, Samantha Wills of Golden Dust, so I'm looking forward to getting into that as well.
2: And are you much of a podcast listener?
1: Um, I got into them a little bit last year when, you know, my doors were closed, so I was in the workshop and I'd put podcasts on, but... um, and I love yours, obviously, Sky. And um, I love The Grazy Hair and A Friend of Mine by Kimberly Finesse. But I don't I don't have that much time really because in the shop obviously people are coming in and out and then and then I'm at home with the kids. So um, but I do I do love listening to them and you always get little bits and bobs of information that you can take away but yeah, which is really good
2: for Luone for your business what are your dreams and aspirations for it do you hope that it becomes bigger and could it include other things in the future or are you happy with things as I'm they really
1: happen? happy Sky. it's a really tricky one if you'd asked me two years ago it would probably be quite a different answer but I've always wanted Luone to be a household name I would love yeah I'd love everyone to know about Luone um but I am very happy with where it's at and I'm probably feeling a little less driven than I used to be maybe because it's at a spot where I'm really happy with and if I can maintain it and you know have a bit more organic growth that would be amazing but I'd, I'd love a balance to be quite honest <laughs> a bit of a life balance um, I have this fear of being 70 and looking back and thinking gosh all I did was try to grow my business so I definitely don't want that so I'm trying to trying to work on a bit of a balance and enjoy the journey not all about the destination
2: what does balance look like for you
1: oh I don't know more holidays sky but you know (laughs) haven't been happening for a little while now no just enjoying the present like enjoying the kids because you know it won't be long and they'll be in high school and then they'll leave home I just think it all goes so quickly that you need to really Make sure you enjoy it um, and it's a- easy for everyone just to work, 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 but I think we all need to um, just remember what's really important and family and friends to me is, is the number one.
2: How do we find you?
1: You find me in Port Ferry in Bank Street is my little store and then my website is which is l-u-o-n-e.com.au. And Luone actually comes from my name, so Lou for Lucinda and Owen for O'Neill, which was my maiden name for anyone who was wondering where it come from. Um, And then Instagram and Facebook, Luone Jewellery. Yeah, so I'd love you all to have a little look and get in touch if you need any jewels and spread the word. That would be amazing.
2: Um It's been so lovely to chat with you, even more lovely to see you
1: and even more lovely to see all your beautiful jewellery all into (laughs) you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Sky. It's just such an honour to be here with you. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm really, yeah, it's really exciting.
0: Thank you so much to Lou. And I have to tell you that since our chat, I just can't get the image of Lou out of my head. On the other side of my Zoom screen was a woman who was Lou. She's just wearing a black turtleneck top, completely classic. But she had a layer upon layer of necklaces around her neck. And I was so surprised because... It did not look one bit overstated. It didn't look dated at all. It just looked completely chic and classic. And I think that I'm going to be forever trying to replicate that look um, until until my days are done. <laughs> she certainly knows how to make jewellery look good. You can find Lucinda at luone.com.au. Thank you so much to our season sponsor, Lidner Quality Socks, And I'll be back with you next week with another story.
2: Isn't Elise such a talent? I was completely blown away by what she's been able to create out of fairly, fairly basic and normal roots. You can check her out on Instagram at Eldorado Cottage or at Mr Munro and hopefully you can make the trip to Crookwall to stay in her latest project and then you can actually pop across the road to Lydner Socks. They're virtually neighbours. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Company. I'll be back with you next week with another story.